Absolutely. I don't know about you. I absolutely love this gospel story of um, Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus um, with two of his followers who are absolutely clueless about who's standing in their midst. Um, you can, let's see, can y'all see that? You can kind of see that on the screen there. This is a, a Rembrandt hanging on the wall of my house. Just kidding. <laughs> um, this is a, his depiction of that great moment that we'll get to in a little bit of when their eyes were opened. And I don't know if you can see it, but, but there um, in the foreground, if you can't see it, Google this picture. You can, it's on the computer. Is a, um, one guy is leaning back like this, and the other guy, his chair is toppled over, and he is on his knees worshiping Jesus um, sort of in that moment before he vanished. Um, an incredible picture, an incredible thought, an incredible story um, that is about knowing Jesus, um, perhaps you could say seeing Jesus clearly, or knowing knowing Him, or seeing Him clearly. And um, simply to say, I live in a family of um, many of uh, of my immediate family wear glasses, and the first thing they do every morning is wear my glasses, and they put them on, and, and they want to read a story, and they gotta go find their glasses. And I remember um, the you know the stories of when when they received their glasses. It was just it was like a new a new world had been opened up to them. And we see in this passage, um, perhaps you could call it the glasses that we need to see Jesus clearly, to know who he is, the glasses that we need to see him clearly. So let's, um, let's keep our hearts open for that as we go through the story of the travelers on the road to Emmaus. This is the very same day of Jesus' resurrection Um, Earlier that morning, some women had gone to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices. And if you remember, they got there, the boulder, the stone was rolled away. And there in the tomb was nothing but folded up linens and an angel declaring to them that he is risen. It's that same day. In fact, it says right there in the very first verse, um, that very day, verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. And so we have these um, disciples, followers of Jesus. Um, you'll remember that Jesus had, um, before Judas betrayed him, he had 12 disciples. Um, but he also had followers, okay? So disciples, there were, there were the 12 of them, but there were also followers, folks who were around Jesus, who knew Jesus, who perhaps went from town to town with Jesus. You might recall the 72 that Jesus sent out to um, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. They obviously weren't all part of the 12 disciples. And so he had this wide group, and we can assume that Cleopas and his traveling companion were in this group of disciples, of followers of Jesus. They were probably in the room with some of, with the 11 when the women came back and reported in this strange news that Jesus is risen. And here it is later that same day, and it's time to go home. It's time to go home. What emotions they must have been feeling. The sort of roller coaster from Palm Sunday and the great triumphant entrance to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. And now this very strange news that his body is gone. Where did it go? What happened? Who took it? Is this a big joke? What is going on? And they go to make that long journey home. And so they're walking along, and verse 14 tells us that they were um, 
talking about, talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Talking about Jesus' death. Talking about the missing body. Talking about all their hopes and dreams and now their um, fears and perhaps even hopelessness. And they're walking along and um, all of a sudden they didn't notice it. They were so engrossed in their conversation. But all of a sudden they have a, a traveling companion, if you will. And they look up. And I, um, I, I picture this scene almost like a little brother coming up behind him. What you talking about? Huh? What you talking about? <laughs> and I see Jesus coming up to them. And he's saying, hey guys, what you talking about? But they don't recognize him. They don't see, I mean, they see him, but they don't see him. They, 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 they know he's there, but they don't know him. This man is, is with them, and he wants to know what they're talking about, and they think he's, well, they think he's crazy. Are you the only one in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that have happened? Are you the only one who does not know about these things? Oh, really? What things? What are you talking about? And they go on. And they tell him, and they start with, uh, we had hoped this man, this great prophet, great in word and deed, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. But now he's dead. And his body's gone. And we're going home. And we don't know what we're going to do. Our hopes are gone. Our dreams are dashed. Do you see that? They don't know Jesus. They can't see him clearly. He, he's, he's in their midst. The resurrected Christ is, is right there walking down the road with them, and, and, and they can't see him clearly. It's almost like Mary in the tomb when she goes in and Jesus is gone, and, and she leaves and she sees a gardener, and she says, Sir, do you know what they've done with my Lord? And Jesus looks at her and he says, Mary, and her eyes are opened. And so we have these disciples, and these followers of Jesus, and they can't see him. They don't know him, and it would behoove us. It's very important for us to think about why. Why can they not see Jesus? What, what is going on here that, that these two who have followed Jesus for at least three years all of a sudden have him in their presence and they don't even recognize this man? And there's, there's two things, okay, that keep us from seeing Jesus. And they're all a, they're a result of our own sinfulness. And, and the first thing is this. We can't see Jesus clearly sometimes because he is a threat to our way of life. He is a threat to our way of life, we can be very comfortable and very happy and very complacent and, and perfectly satisfied, frankly, with where things are. And because of that, we can't see Jesus clearly because we don't want to be threatened. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to read those words that he says, where he says, if anyone would follow after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. That's challenging. That's threatening. The Roman authorities, the Jewish religious leaders, they were threatened by Jesus Christ. Their power, their lifestyle, everything that they thought they stood for, they looked at Jesus and they said, he's threatening us. And so they had him killed. The Jewish religious leaders looked at him and said, he's threatening our power. He's claiming to be the Messiah. 
Surely he's blaspheming against God. The Romans looked at him and said, this man is claiming to be a king. There's only one king in this empire, and it's not him. And so they had him crucified. Jesus was a threat to their way of life, and he's a threat to yours, frankly. And if you're not okay with that, and if you're not okay being challenged by Jesus, you're never going to see him. You're never going to see him clearly. If you'd rather just be complacent and okay and keep going on, going on, just like you're doing, you're not going to see him. He might be right next to you, but you won't even know who he is. The second thing that keeps us from seeing Jesus, from knowing him completely, is that sometimes he just doesn't meet our hopes and expectations, does he? Sometimes he just doesn't do for us what we would like him to do for us. And so whatever it is, whether it's getting us the right job or the right um, husband or wife or the, you know, the right perfect family or, or whatever it is, the right job, the right boat, the right car, whatever it is, sometimes Jesus just doesn't deliver like we hoped he would, does he? And so it is with these followers of Jesus. Now they had valid, a very good hope. They wanted Israel to be redeemed by all means. That's a perfectly valid hope. But their expectation was something different. They didn't expect um, their Messiah, their Redeemer, to be crucified on a cross. They expected him to, to usher in this new reign and to drive out those evil Romans and to, to destroy those corrupt religious leaders. But instead, their Messiah, their follower, was crucified. And so they had hoped that Jesus would redeem Israel. They had the right hope, but he just didn't deliver the way they expected And sometimes Jesus doesn't deliver for us the way we expect or the way we hope or the way we think it should go. And if we're not willing to let that go and say that our hope is right but our method might be totally different than what Jesus has in store for us, if we're not willing to let that go, we're not going to see Jesus clearly. He might be walking right next to us and we would completely miss him. So then, what sort of glasses do we need to see our risen Lord clearly? Well, let's read on. They tell him the whole story of all these things that that had happened, as if he didn't know. Um, And he says to them here in in verse 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, he interpreted to them all that the scriptures, all the things the scriptures said concerning himself. So Jesus has listened to these misunderstanding, and he's beginning now to set his followers straight. And he's beginning to show them who he really is. And where does he start? He starts in scripture. Now, this isn't like New Testament scripture where we have. Um, Peter, for instance, in our, our message today, he says that, that Jesus, oh, I forgot exactly how he phrased but but was known from the beginning of time and only just now had made, revealed himself to creation. This isn't um, Paul saying that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Those are our scriptures now. But, but for these disciples, Jesus is talking about the Old Testament. And he goes back to the Old Testament and he shows them how everything in there is about himself. 
is about Jesus Christ. This, perhaps, would be the greatest seminary class ever offered. Bible 101 with Jesus. And it caught, because these disciples later on, after they, would, after they would see Jesus, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to, him, to us? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us along the road? And so this is important to remember. Scripture is the lens, one of the glasses by which we can see Jesus clearly. The challenge is we have to read it appropriately. Okay, what does it say? It says that beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Not the things concerning them, not the things concerning you, the things concerning Jesus. First and foremost, this book is about Jesus Christ. Every word in here is about Jesus. He is the Word, if you will. And so we've got to realize that when we read our Bibles, that every word is about Jesus Christ. That's why we give this Bible out to all the children who get baptized here at St. Paul's. This is the Jesus Storybook Bible. The tagline, every story whispers His name. Every story whispers the name of Jesus Christ. So, for instance, I picked this randomly this morning. Um... David and Goliath, okay? Is Jesus in that story anywhere? Well, I mean, he's not named. It's about David and Goliath. But, but this Bible, for instance, says this. Um, when the Philistines saw Goliath dead, they ran away. And when God's people saw them running away, they cheered. God had saved his people. David was a hero. But many years later, God would send his people another young hero to fight for them. And to save them. But this hero would fight the greatest battle the world has ever known. It's about Jesus. We have life group um, with our kids. uh, Well, with a a big group. And there's like 50 billion kids there. (laughs) And we have a little um, Bible teaching at the beginning. And and we ask a question. um, And it could be something like, you know, what, what was the story about? Or we could even say, you know, what are you supposed to do when you go to school tomorrow? And they're all like, Jesus, Jesus. And and it's always the right answer. If there's a question about the Bible, just say, if you don't know, just say Jesus. And you're right. That's what this book is about. Now, here's the challenge because we've taken it, okay? We've taken the scriptures and we say stuff. and, And you've said them and I've said them. These aren't bad things to say. But we say, scripture is a roadmap for my life. Or scripture is moral instruction for me. Or, or some of you would say, listen, we've got to be socially just and help the poor and help the needy because that's what scripture is about. And, and those are all good things, but they're secondary. Scripture is about Jesus Christ. And because Jesus was about those things, then we can be about those things and we can get that from scripture. But before anything else, this book is the word of God about God who lived, became incarnate, died, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and is one day coming back. That's the story of Scripture. And so if I get up here and preach a sermon, and somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus can agree with everything I've said, it's a bad sermon. Because it's about Jesus Christ. 
And when we read Scripture that way, we put our glasses on and we can see clearly who He is. We can allow ourselves to be challenged. We can allow our hopes to be taken and transformed into something the Holy Spirit would have for us. Second set of glasses would be the fellowship of believers, the fellowship of church. So they walk on and they're getting this sort of greatest Bible lesson in the history of the world. And they get to the village and they invite Jesus to, to, to stay with them. They're, they're in Emmaus. It's been seven miles. Um, that's a long hike. I'm probably not as much for them, but it definitely is for me. And, and they get to Emmaus and Jesus is ready to go on. And they say, no, it's getting late in the day. Won't you please stay with us? And now we get to the great scene of our painting by Rembrandt. I'll read verses 30 and 31 to you. Maybe we can get that picture back up on the screen. When Jesus was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Their eyes were opened and he recognized them and he vanished from their sight. And they would go on to say at the end of this story, they would say that they would tell the other disciples that Jesus was known to us in the breaking of the bread. He was known to us in the breaking of the bread. Now, I want to suggest to you, this, isn't, this is long before any sort of formalized um, Holy Communion, like we're going to celebrate in, in a few minutes, obviously. This is um, men gather around a table sharing fellowship together. But, but Luke is, the author of this gospel, is bringing us back to the Last Supper. He wants us to equate these together. So let's look briefly at Luke. Um, well, I'll look. You can listen. Um, Luke 22, verse 19, okay? This is the Last Supper, and this is, is how Luke describes it. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. All right, so you get that pattern? Took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And so then when we come to this story, and they're um, eating together, Jesus does this. He took bread and gave thanks and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. You see that pattern? He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them. Luke wants us to put these two together. This is a Last Supper type meal. And Jesus is known to them in the same way he's known to us in the Eucharist. Why do we celebrate the Last Supper? Jesus says, uh, there's all sorts of things going on, but he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we get to this passage, and this is an example of them sharing in some sort of communion service, and they remember Jesus. And when they remember him, their eyes are opened, and they see their Savior right in front of them. And so... Holy Communion specifically is one of the glasses by which we know Jesus. We know who he is. But even more generally, you could say that Holy Communion itself is about the fellowship of believers, this union with Christ, but it's also joining together as believers in Jesus Christ. And so one of the ways we know Jesus is simply to be immersed in a community of faith. Immersed in worship on Sunday with other people who know Jesus. Immersed in a small group and reading scripture with other people who know Jesus. 
And that keeps us from wandering off on our own and going after our own expectations or not allowing ourselves to be challenged because we do it in a community of faith. And through that community, we know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, what are we going to do with this? We'll, we'll land this plane. Um, I usually try to throw in, in something you can take home, whether you believe in Jesus or not, because I'm, I'm under no, um, no impression that everybody in this room knows Jesus. They might, but, but I, some people probably do not. And so um, the take-home for this is actually the same, whether you know Jesus Christ or not. Okay? If you don't know Jesus, be sure that you don't know him for the right reasons. Does that make sense? If you don't want to believe in Jesus, that, that's okay. I'm glad you're here anyway, and I hope you keep coming back. But if you don't want to believe, make sure you're believing for the make, make sure you're not believing for the right reasons. Okay? Make sure you actually explore and see who Jesus really is. Who is he in Scripture? Who is he in the community of faith? You can't stand outside of a community and outside of their, their, their Bible, their, their documents, if you will, that govern their lives and show them their God. You can't stand outside of that and decide whether it's true or not. Because you're passing judgment on something you don't know. And so I invite you to... Immerse yourself in Scripture. Read Luke's Gospel. It's a fabulous one to start with. He's very detailed. He, he's a doctor, and he, he's really, he, he lays out. He says he wants to show you the evidence and let you make a decision for yourself. Read Luke's Gospel. Find people who are believers and just sit down and have coffee with them. But if you don't know Jesus, make sure you don't know him for the right reasons. Put on these glasses and see what you see. And if you don't believe, that's okay. But at least give it a shot. And for those of us who do know Jesus, make sure we know him more clearly and more deeply. Paul says in, in Corinthians, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then we shall see him face to face. And so much of this is striving for something we cannot obtain until one day we, we are raised from the dead and we see the glory of God face to face. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And so for those of you who do know Jesus, make sure you've got the right glasses on. Make sure you're using them the right way. Use them to see Jesus in all of the scriptures. Use them to see Jesus in the community of faith. Come before him in praise and thanksgiving. Receive the bread, receive the wine, so that you might see him more clearly. When you leave here, proclaim the gospel. Proclaim what you read in scripture. Proclaim what's happening in your community of faith. Know the Lord Jesus and know him more clearly. Let's not be afraid to walk on this road to Emmaus with these two followers of Jesus Christ. Do we see him clearly through scripture? Do we see him clearly through the fellowship of believers? And that we would know the salvation of Jesus Christ offered to us in his death and resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, give us the glasses to fully see you. Show us how to use them. May you come into focus in our lives. 
If there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that one day they will look up and they will see you standing in their midst. And for those that do know you, Lord, I pray that you would make them, help them to know you more fully. Deepen that relationship. Draw them closer to you. Make us, Lord, a gospel-proclaiming people for the sake of your glory and honor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.